from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast Tech Corner. And now, join me in welcoming your host and CISO, James Azar. All right, folks, welcome to Veteran November here on the Cyber Hub Podcast Tech Corner. Um, I hope you like our new intro. Joe, you broke in our brand new intro um, for Tech Corner. So much better than our old techno music, I think. Um, They're rocking. It, it, it is rocking. Um, and, and I like the guitar, right? Like, I just love like a good guitar solo. And mm-hmm. so that was brilliant. Uh, a great guy, uh, one of my voiceover guys, his name is Keith. Just incredible talent uh, did this. Um, and he's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Folks, veteran november myself joe here two guys wanting to have a conversation uh before we get started though folks if you haven't subscribed subscribe now to our podcast if you're watching us on youtube hit the subscribe bell and make sure you watch us all the way through the end i always have some really cool stuff here at the end and without further ado joe how you doing today buddy I'm doing good. I've been off for the last week or so and been loving it. So this is the last uh, big thing I'm doing before I go back to work. So you took a little vacation. Did you go out anywhere? Did you do anything? Or or was it predominantly <laughs> um, COVID lockdown? It was, uh, it was very carefully going to the grocery store, very carefully going to uh, eat out at our fa- one of our favorite Mexican restaurants, and just being very uh, avoiding large crowds. So yeah, pretty much a COVID type <laughs> type of uh, vacation and mostly staying at home, binging on Netflix, uh, playing a few video games and, you know, just having, having, having life. You know, um, it's funny when people always talk about vacation to go, well, are you going somewhere? Are you going to go stay in a hotel somewhere? And I always feel more tired when I travel on vacation than when I yes. do when I stay home. Yes, I think it's because, you know, you're like out and you're like, oh, I can do all these things. And then by the time you come out, you're like, oh, my God, I'm so tired. What did I do? I got to go to work on Monday. <laughs> Some people need a vacation from their vacation. Yes, yes. <laughs> Brilliant. So, Joe, tell us a little bit about your service. Where'd you serve? How long you were in for? What branch of the service you were in? Sure. Well, I was in the United States Army. I enlisted right out of high school, and I uh, enlisted in 1999, May 1999. So I served from then until 2015. So almost almost 20 years. But it's uh, people ask me, well, why didn't you do the rest of it? I said I got tired. <laughs> I had been you had about here, six, there, no. six seven more years for uh, retirement. Yeah, but basically the, the time that I left the, the military, the army was kicking people out and the, it's the, it's just a it was just about that time and I said, "You know what? That's fine. It, it's time to do something else." But, you know, in retrospect, as much as I would have loved to stay in <clears throat> and get that extra and get that 6-7 years more to retirement, I'm glad I did because one because I think the timing was just right. You know, I'd like to, you know, I'm, I'm a, I could say I'm a Christian. I believe in God and a higher power. And I believe that maybe that was just the ordained time for me to go because it seemed like at the time, 2015, you had a lot more, 
understanding and realization that, oh, crap, this uh, cybersecurity business is real serious stuff. Because if you think about all the, I think that was about the time APT1 was discovered, maybe, or one of those APTs, there was a lot more APT nation state activity coming onto the scene. You had the emergence, uh, the emergence of lots of major ransomware, or not ransomware, but malware families at the time, whether it be uh, info stealers, whether it be Trojan, major Trojans that we've all seen out there, like um, not ISTID. Oh, there's so many of them I can't keep track. But anywho, there, there that that was a probably an ordained time for me to be out and about. No, you you um you make a ton of sense. I mean, timing is everything, and I think a lot of times, you know, I was speaking. I've had a veteran on before who was a reservist his entire career. Mm-hmm. Does that make him less of a serviceman? No, 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 no. You know, reservists I mean, do reservists do a very good uh, job of they do they do a very good job straddling that fence. I can I guess you could say well l- well let me amend that because <laughs> I don't want people to say oh straddling the fence. So I just say I'm gonna have well. There's always that. Let me not dig myself further. So <laughs> no no it's it's all right. I, I get Probably what you're trying to say. No out. no you're you're. you're, you're <laughs> You're trying to say the right thing, right? Which is, right. Um, if it wasn't for reservists, active duty people wouldn't have as easy of a time. Reservists do a lot of the stuff that supports yes. active duty military. And yes, there's an aspect do. to that that can't be taken for granted, right? And I think Correct. service is service. I think if more people in our country did service, we would have more community and more gratitude and more appreciation mm-hmm. one, one to another. Than, I totally agree with that. Th- th- than we do with that. I mean, um, uh, you definitely said a lot of very, very positive things there. I don't think anyone took you out of context. And if you did, up yours. I'm kidding. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you so, just, so... I just have to be, you know, you just have to always be careful when you're doing things in public or saying things, not even just on a pub, on public, but in podcast, uh, not just in podcast, but in public, you know, we have a right to free speech, but also people have a right to react to you. So I don't want to be you know, I don't want to mess with anybody or offend anybody. I try to speak my mind, but speak it in a respectful, respectful way that, you know, everybody well, that people can understand. I, th- I think um, discourse is the um, uh, basic right of Americans. Having conversations mm-hmm. is the basic right of Americans, but we don't want to go down that route. Let me ask no. you this. Did you study <laughs> no, no, InfoSec? No, no. Did you, did, were you in an InfoSec unit when you were in the military? Or did you do it after you transitioned? Well, I think before I went on my tangent, I should have probably explained my military career a little bit better. <laughs> so I enlisted uh, as a 98 kilo, which is a non-more signal interceptor analyst, which is basically somebody who can snoop into <laughs> into calls, radio signals, and things like that. I was in military intelligence. So my first unit was at Fort Meade. So my first my first enlisted unit was at Fort Meade, and then from there I said I had got this crazy bug in my ear to go try to get, be a military academy graduate. So I actually did that. I applied for the military academy and I got in. I went to the prep school, which was then at Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. If you if you've ever heard of that old school place, so 
2000, so fast forward to two, the next year. So that's 2001 two, or 2000, 2001. Then I went to the Academy. I'm U, U, uh, United States Military Academy class of 2005. We just had our 15 year class anniversary. And uh, it's been it's been in there, I would say, between that and then also branching military intelligence as an officer in the 101st Airborne Division Air Assault did uh, two tours, one in Afghanistan and one in Iraq. Then I went to South Korea, which was all, which was awesome. Then I was an executive officer for a military entrance processing station. And then I left and my first gig was outside of the civilian sector was with a major financial institution. And then my next gig took me here to where I live at in uh, Texas. And I worked for a major consumer packaged goods company. And then I got this uh, opportunity to be a cyber threat intelligence manager for Trinity Health, which is based out of Livonia, Michigan. And I've been building this program out from scratch for the last two years. Wow. So you've traveled the world. Yeah. Um, South Korea is an amazing place. Um, I love it. <laughs> um, the South, for those who don't like, whenever I travel to Asia, I live in Atlanta, and so if I mm-hmm. need to travel to Asia, I typically fly Korean Air to Seoul, and then from Seoul I'll go to you know um, Tokyo or um, Singapore or wherever mm-hmm. else I need to go. So the airport in South Korea is just wow. Yeah, Incheon is like, oh my God, did I land in the Jetsons age? This is one of, uh, me and my wife, when we went to Korea, we first got there, we're like, whoa, because it's like space age cool. Like, You're plus, like, this plus. isn't Newark. <laughs> no, it's definitely not Newark, and it sure as heck ain't JFK, because woo. Yeah, um, um, it, it, it's it's always like it's always an underrated airport and i don't understand why like from a global ranking and and, and mm-hmm. we, we can have that debate offline but it, <laughs> it is it is an absolutely beautiful airport so tell me a little bit about your transition from military to civilian what was that like what were some of your challenges as you were transitioning out and getting your first corporate job and what are, what are some of the things mm-hmm. that you know you wish you could tell yourself before you you transitioned I think the best thing that I did was probably set up my uh, start getting help earlier than the year. You know, with transition, you're supposed to start out a year before you actually separate. I think mentally I had made that start making that transition maybe three years because you got to think, okay, you know, my friend is going through this right now, which is good. But I didn't really get started until maybe three years prior to say, okay, do I want to do this forever? And if I'm going to get out, what do I want to do? So I start looking at the InfoSec field and I said, you know what? This lines up with my, uh, you know, I'll use the good old OPM term, Office of Personnel Management, knowledge, skills, and abilities. I have the knowledge as a intelligence professional or as an intelligence professional who did a lot of IT type work, cybersecurity work that goes back all the way from elementary school all the way to the present. You know, being that one person that everybody says, hey, uh, can you fix this computer? That, w- that was me. And I had it as an additional duty. I, stu- I studied it. I have an interest in it. I, I pro- I've programmed. I have my minor in computer science and a master's in uh, 
computer science as well, or not computer science, information technology specializing in information and assurance and security. So I was like, well, obviously InfoSec is for me. And I started doing a lot of research on the field and seeing if there was anything comparable to what I was doing in the intelligence field and in the management field. And at the time, three years, uh, so three years from 2015, you know, Five minus three is two. Twenty twelve. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do my uh, my uh, math on my fingers. That's how smart I am, you know. Yeah, I have to count like this too, man. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, if I run out of toes, that's it, man. It's just like too much for me. Well, but, well uh, you know what they say? What you, if 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 you like do seven minus nine and you get to zeros, it's 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 not doable. It's it's a, it's a failing formula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's also that's another that's another story for another time how i really stink at math but for whatever reason probability statistics and cryptography makes perfect sense i don't know my brain is just like wired differently but i think you know back to the original point because i tend to trail off like grandpa simpson so uh, i feel like i'm in the kanye west joe rogan conversation i was listening <laughs> to over the weekend <laughs> no dragon energy dragon energy <laughs> Or whatever he says. I don't know. <laughs> poor Kanye. But anywho. But, I don't know if he uh, was so poor. You should watch his interview with Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan actually made Kanye West look human. Wow. That's impressive. That yeah, is Shout impressive. out to Joe for that. <laughs> yes, indeed. But as far as what, as far as transitioning, I would say one of the big, main things for me was planning early. Like taking stock of my skills and what, my abilities were and where I needed to grow, kind of just doing a gap analysis, strengths, weaknesses, or a SWOT, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and so on. So doing kind of a self-owned SWOT, SWOT analysis. And then I would say the other thing would be building up uh, my LinkedIn my LinkedIn profile on corporate social media, not Twitter, not Facebook, but uh, you know LinkedIn. And i got to say, you know, one of the big things about LinkedIn is, you know, keep it professional you know you can support joe biden you can support donald trump you can support um, kanye west for his running for kanye president. west for his run for president or you can argue the merits of cats versus dogs or whatever it be but you know stick to try to stick to business as much as you can you know facebook and and linkedin are not the same so keep it professional Yes, have those conversations about, you know, uh, social things that are going on in politics to a certain degree, because one thing that I find a lot of that really trips people up sometimes is this keep politics out of LinkedIn or keep politics and social social things out of LinkedIn. Well, you can't really do that to a certain extent, if that makes any sense. But you can do it in a way that's still professional and still maintains the candor that is in that type of a professional environment. So, shout outs for civility and professionalism. I think LinkedIn um, for the last three months has been the only safe social network I can be on. Yes, I would agree with that. I go to Twitter, I sink mm -hmm. in a dark hole. Like, I literally <laughs> feel like Twitter is the abyss of humanity. Like when God brought the flood to Noah, that was... Can you imagine if there was Twitter then? Oh, Lord. <laughs> God decided to, to, to kill all of humanity and spare Noah and his family and two of every animal. Mm -hmm. 
And they didn't have Twitter back then. I don't think they even had newspapers. No, I don't think. I don't think so. I think they just probably made some marks. I mean, on the if wall. God didn't make that promise to Noah, we'd be flooded today. <laughs> Thanks to Twitter, nothing else. Thanks to Twitter. Yes, we Jack did. Dorsey well, would have brought the doom upon all of us. Yes, yeah, social. Uh, I blame social media in general for being a flood of interesting and disinformation. But you know. Again, I did the Grandpa Simpson thing. I'm sorry. I go off on tangents a lot. But, <laughs> so let me yeah. ask you this, though, real quick. Um, l- let me give you something to write. So when you were um, um, building your professional LinkedIn profile as you were transitioning out and you were looking to go into and, and you got your first corporate job, what was the transition like into your first corporate job? I would say that it was exci- it was a mix of exciting, nervousness, because I hadn't held a job outside of the military in right. almost 15, 16 years. And it's like, oh, my God, am I? do I know what to do? I just know, knew to wear a suit, a tie, and do everything that the transition uh, folks told us to do. And I and most of all, I had a very support. I have a very supportive spouse that was like, you got this. You can do this. I've been, uh, you know, I've been, of course, working outside the home. And I do in you know, I've been in the in the sec, in civilian life more than more than you. So that's another pro tip. If you have a spouse and she or he works outside outside of the home and is in that civilian, whether it be government employee service or private sector service, listen to what your spouse has to say because you don't know everything. <laughs> so, big no, point there. Pro tip. No, no, no uh, you don't. So as far as showing up that first, but showing up that first day, you know, it was ner- it was a bit nerve wracking, but you know, eventually you settle in, and you understand, and you start. I think the big stumbling block for me was, sir, ma'am, like, dude, no, you're not in the service anymore. I'm Matt. I'm Bob. I'm uh, Gerald. Whatever your name is, not sir, ma'am. Like, sir is for. I got told one time that. Um, I should be calling you, sir, since you were in the military and you went and did all those things. I should be calling you, sir. I'm like, no, that's not no, that's not necessary. But thank you. Did you have any challenge in terms of uh, beyond the lack of formality? Um, was there anything else that kind of caused you a little bit took you a little bit more time to adjust beyond discern the man? You know, to be honest, it was interesting having to. <laughs> It sounds stereotypical, and it kind of is, but it was a, I won't even call it a challenge, but not having to wear uh, your uh, uniform is like kind of like, oh, man, I got to decide on what to wear, and it's really you know, that that honest <laughs> honestly that was my that was one of my that was the I'm cliche like, that's the cliche right that's why i always wear black t-shirts because that's my uniform in civilian life i wear black t-shirts right. i have literally the most boring closet on the planet yeah it's all black t-shirts on weekends i wear grunt style black t-shirts Mm-hmm. I only order grunt style black t-shirts. If they don't make that model in black, I don't <laughs> order it. My wife has brought me several gray and blue shirts to wear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wear those every once in a while. I've got a few right. button up shirts and some sweaters. And mm-hmm. even my sweaters are black. <laughs> I tend to stick to gray and black myself sometimes. But you're wearing when blue I today. Out. Today, yes, I have blue on because eventually my repertoire expanded to 
pink slash salmon, whatever you want to call it, and khakis and even yellow at sometimes, dark yellow checkers. So I think the other thing is, you know, you got to, that's another transition point as tacky and cliche as it sounds, you know, start looking, reviewing your style, you know, of how you dress because there is no uniform per se in uh, the civilian sector but start having developing that sense of style because I've seen some people get out of the military and it's like you need the fab five stat you need, <laughs> you need those guys like quick fast in a hurry because it's how you dress is what says something about yourself how you take care of yourself and groom yourself says something to about yourself as well and being military are you trying to tell me something about my beard it's not within a the AR. No, I'm just kidding. I, I was 35 <laughs> Lima. I could have a beard. Hey, then more power to you, man. More power. I, I had grow. exemptions. <laughs> hey, that's freaking awesome. I wish I had an exemption. But no, um, on the serious tip, you know, people will grow out. I have, I had young soldiers like, oh yeah, I'm gonna grow his beard out and I'm trimming it. And I see him in their pictures later. I'm like, dude, you need to shape that up you know don't just go out there looking crazy well go to the barber every few weeks mm-hmm. have him line you up right on your beard mm-hmm. right and then just trim it in the two weeks leading up to it make sure it doesn't get too long right and then two weeks later you go you get your hair cut again you you get your beard done again but yeah but if you want to rock those chop those pork chop sideburns you know like those old civil war pictures go for it dude as long those as sideburns are awesome <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dismiss those sideburns. You know, those sideburns are brilliant. Let me ask you this, though. What are you doing today? So you're leading a, 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 a cyber threat intel team. Um, what does that mean for someone um, that wants to get into cyber threat intel? How did you get into it? Did you do any certs? Um, anything like that? Well, number one, as far as getting into the whole thing as far as certs and qualifications cyber intelligence at that time cyber threat intelligence as is commonly known i tend to omit the threat and i have a whole presentation i did a whole presentation at that for a uh conference about why you need to just say call it cyber intelligence but again i digress but in the cyber in cyber intelligence is a relatively new discipline on both i would say the military side and as far as the uh, civil- the civilian sector side. I got into it just as a matter of I was looking for something direct to something I like. I really like intelligence analysis. I like doing that type of work. That's why I just didn't just stick with it for being enlisted, but I did it as an officer as well. So I found this role just by happenstance, and I applied for it. The guy who interviewed me and his boss and his boss's boss happened to like me, and so they brought me on. Now, as far as like certs and things like that, there were no certs at the time when I joined, when I uh, first got in into this field. It was based on your ability to do analysis. That analysis part is key. Having the technical expertise and just being able to clearly, coherently write excuse me, write, present, you know, you have your PowerPoint Ranger tab and, you know, be an Excel guru and you were golden. You know, I think the most critical thing that brought me in was my ability to think 
and my ability to write and having those things and being able to articulate it to non-technical folks especially is the uh it was a key to my success initially i i I love that and thank you for sharing that um i think most most veterans when they think of cyber because cyber has um um, an appeal for people that come from the military it's defense and offense it's got the adrenaline rush um it has the um opponent versus good guy versus bad guy almost feel to it mm-hmm. and so it's it's very very appealing for people who come from the military to want to go into infosec and i feel like veterans have have a ton more and, and honestly my gut feeling says that in 10 years i think 40 percent of our military is going to be cyber yeah, I can see that. I mean, at the time, at the time that I got in, you know, there this is a cyber wasn't new... a thing. I mean, I enlisted no, in two thousand and one. Cyber mm-hmm. was not a thing. There was Signal, and mm-hmm. Signal yep. was That's about S- Signal was about cyber as you can get. Yeah, um, and and so so th- there there is an aspect to that that I, that I agree with. Um, let me ask you this though. Um, interviewing for your role as you were coming in a mm-hmm. civilian what tips would you give people well number one make sure you wear your entire suit and make sure that you have pants like today i have pants on you know you can't see it but i have pants on you know <laughs> <laughs> make sure you make sure you wear the whole thing and you don't do because a lot of the interviews these days are by video so make sure make sure not only are you groomed but make sure that you you know, wear the whole suit. Cause I did have one interview where they asked me to stand up because they wanted to make sure that I was wearing pants. Did you, you know, do it? Did you comply? I did. Cause I was like, no, I ain't got nothing to hide. And I did have pants on. So that was but, a but that, that, that's a weird <laughs> question. Like stand up. Yeah, that is a weird, that was very strange. I'm, I didn't get You're like, have you guys interviewed people? Like, is this a Jeffrey two Bane thing? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, what, what is like... this? Um, it's like, okay, well, sure. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't get that job and that was probably a good thing. Cause that was a really weird interview. So aside from, you know, dressing good, dressing well, just be able to just number one, most important thing aside from wearing pants, you know, is to not talk in military acronyms. <laughs> Nobody knows outside of the military what, a or government service knows what a 98k or a 35 lima is or and then people look at you like "Uh uh-huh like i don't know what the this person is talking about let me google this (laughs) yes let me google this if they have to google what you do and you can't explain it in a way that translates to uh normal everyday folks then you are a no-go at that station I'll bring back one of my favorite euphemisms. The other thing I would also suggest that folks do is be able to quanti- uh, be able to not so much qu- be able to quantify when when necessary, but also be able to tell your story. Your story is more relatable than you think. You know, don't just be like, "I was a sergeant first class and I was okay." That's cool, but what did you do while you were leading? You know, don't leave out leave out the gory details of you know blowing things up or you know you had some wall-to-wall counseling with a soldier one time (laughs) but just stick to here's where i where how i lead or how i do my work and and just spell it out very easily you know in a digestible way that people can understand 
Uh-oh. There we go. We got you. Okay. So um, we're almost out of time, Joe. And I love having this conversation with you, but I promised people 30 minutes a day. We're at 28 minutes. And so Uh-oh. let me ask you one final question. What's one thing you loved about your military service? I truly love the people that I work with especially the young the young soldiers and being able to influence them i have to say the most rewarding thing that i ever saw is as a as a cadet a first class cadet so a senior i had the opportunity to go back go to fort jackson south carolina and be a drill cadet as part of my cadet troop leadership uh requirement basically my internship and i and i talked to a lot of the young to the soldiers coming up there and for me it was rather funny because I went back to the same basic training location that I went to as a sol- as a young soldier at 18. And I didn't know what kind of influence that I had until I was in South Korea in about in 2011 and we we're doing one of the exercises and one of the lieutenants comes up to me and says, "Hey, I remember you. You're the reason why I became a lieutenant. You were I was at the same basic train I was in the basic training unit you were doing your cadet troop leadership and he just told me about how I in- helped inspire him to go to ROTC and become a officer. And I was like, wow, that just was, that was just amazing. The people, the people, the people, Joe, thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate that folks. Another one in the bag for veteran November, thanking our men and women of the service who, um, served our nation serve to protect our freedoms and honoring them all of the month of November. Make sure to subscribe to get more. We'll be back with more episodes tomorrow. Until then, folks, thanks so much for tuning in. Stay healthy and stay cyber safe. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues and get all the latest information at cyberhubpodcast.com. 